Welcome to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. I'm Sharon Betters, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to share with you the help and hope that only Jesus brings. After the fatal car accident of our 16-year-old son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly, there were those who came alongside of us who were further along in the journey of grief, who willingly stepped back into the darkness to give us hope in ways that I know God was using to just help us breathe, uh, let alone face the next steps. And we knew that as we felt the experience of God's comfort through these people, we knew that we wanted to be those people for others. We wanted to be able to call back that God is sovereign and we can trust him. And what we found out is that there were many others who were experiencing really painful, life isolating, deep, dark crises who wanted to share their stories too. They were willing to share their stories as a means to offer help and hope to those coming behind them. And so the Help and Hope podcast vision is to offer help and hope by sharing redemption stories. And that is one reason I'm so excited about our guests today, uh, Mark and Darcy Steiner. I don't even know how to express my delight in their willingness to share their story, because as you listen, you're going to know that really every bit of their energy is critical for them to walk by faith where they have been placed by God and the journey that he has marked out for them. Darcy has written a book called Beauty Beyond the Thorns, which I could not put down. I read it and thought, I have to talk to this woman and her husband, uh, who also writes a chapter, Beauty Beyond the Thorns, Discovering Gifts in Suffering. What a perfect title for their journey. Darcy and Mark have both served in ministry, Darcy as a teen and women's ministry leader, as well as a sibling of church groups in Denver and Los Angeles. It's a very um, active life. Mark has served in full-time ministry in San Francisco and Thailand. In the late 80s, Mark helped Cambodian refugees from the Khmer Rouge killing fields and the fighting between Cambodian guerrillas and the Vietnamese army on the border of Cambodia and Thailand. And boy, we could I'd love to have a whole conversation about that. Mark is an entrepreneur along with caring for Darcy and what a beautiful couple they are. So Darcy and Mark, welcome. We're so excited uh, to be with you today and, and talk about our story and learn more about you. Well, before we jump into uh, your story, tell us uh, about a couple of things that you both that give you joy in your life right now. Well, um, we are grandparents. <laughs> so uh, our granddaughter, who's almost two, brings us so much joy. It is amazing to have this joy alongside the suffering and mm -hmm. what a gift she is and we kind of have an escape when we get to be with her because you know we're focused on her more yeah. so that that is one thing well she took my first one because <laughs> <laughs> i feel the same way it's just i knew it would be great but it's uh it's been even better than i thought it would be just watching her grow up and go through all the stages of discovering the world. And and one of my greatest joys is really just watching her and her grandmother together and just look on Darcy's face and it's just precious. Um, so since she took my first one, I'll have to say hot showers is uh, something that brings me. <laughs> well, knowing your story, I can imagine that those hot showers are probably really priceless moments <laughs> for you. Yeah. 
show. So I can sure relate to the joy of grandparents. We have 14 grandchildren and yes, and we just have welcomed our third great grandchild into our family. So and you're right. You, you, it's shocking what you turn into when you have grandchildren. So yeah, I definitely you get to play again. <laughs> yes. And there's such good medicine for your soul. There's just, they just, I don't know. There's something about them that's just so, so precious. So thanking the Lord with you for our precious grandchildren. Well, Darcy, you had a fantastic life. I mean, it seems like very full doing the things that you'd always dreamed about. And then in 2000, you experienced the fall that changed that life. Why don't you tell us about it? I did. You know, I was 35 years old and with two young children, two and two and a half and five-year-old daughters. And we wanted to listen to some Christmas music and we're downstairs and the music was upstairs. And as young mothers do, I ran because that's, I ran everywhere, you know, and, uh, so I ran up the stairs and to get the music and ran back down. But at the top of the stairs was a drawing of one of my daughters. And I slipped. I, I stood on that piece of paper and slipped down the stairs. And I was tumbling. And the baby gate was up at the bottom of the stairs, which was the problem. Um, I think I would have been okay had I just crashed through that baby gate, but I didn't. Instead, I hurtled over the baby gate somehow. And by doing so, I crashed into the wall, which twisted and turned me and I face planted onto the floor. So this led to a back injury and put me in bed for a couple of years. And what was the diagnosis eventually? Eventually, I was diagnosed with a rare disorder. It's a nerve pain disorder called complex regional pain syndrome or CRPS. It used to be called reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And it's just, it's a severe nerve pain disorder that, for instance, when I would go to bed, I couldn't bear the weight of a sheet. So Mark made a tent to put the sheet over me to try to keep me warm. And so we had to do creative things like that. So yeah, it was I was very sensitive to touch. And, uh, you, you get it after an injury. So it was a secondary injury or diagnosis after my back injury. So I'm not sure when it crept in, but at some point it did. And how long were you bedridden? Well, I was, I started coming out a little bit of disability during year three because of pool therapy and because of nutrition. We still didn't really know what the diagnosis was. It didn't have a name yet. At that point, it it didn't get a name until I was almost out of it. And then a doctor still wasn't sure if that was my diagnosis, but it fits better than anything else. I know that anyone who is listening to your story understands exactly what you mean when you talk about CRPS, but... Most of us have, if we have not lived with that kind of chronic pain that you have lived with, we really have no idea. I mean, oh, oh, you know, she was disabled. She had a back problem. Try to help us experience that a little bit. I mean, of course, that's impossible, but try to help us understand better, explain what the pain felt like and how it just profoundly changed your life 
even even though you didn't have a full diagnosis for it, but what was it like for you day after day? Thank you for asking. The pain is so bad you want to die. And that is so hard when you are a young mother and fairly newly married. We had only been married a decade. And so there's such an emotional battle that's going on besides the physical pain. It's all enveloping emotionally, mentally, spiritually in every way. I felt like I wanted to die, but I was not going to take my life. And so I begged God to take me. And I would look at medicine bottles on the bed stand, the nightstand, and I would think how easy this would be. It would be easy. But I chose the more difficult road because of love. The pain is so bad. I'll try to explain it. It's nearly impossible, I think. But to be touched and, you know, your children want to jump into your lap. And you want your children to jump into your lap. But you have to stop them because it hurts too much. And so to turn them away was the most painful thing I had to do during those years. And, you know, my daughter, when she was two and a half, I had to stop holding her. At age two and a half, I couldn't hold her anymore. And that's, that's a precious time you know, to let go of that. But to get to the doctors, my husband couldn't even lift me. I mean, I was thin enough. I had lost a lot of weight. I was small enough, but I couldn't be touched. So I would sit on a chair and he would run and go get a neighbor. Mm -hmm. And the neighbor would have to lift half of the chair. And Mark would lift half of the chair and take me down the stairs. And take me to the car and then help me get into the car. And every bump over that road to the doctor was, I just wanted to get out. Just, I I can't go. I can't do this. And uh, so little bumps on the road, they still bother me. Not as bad as they used to, but it would be something that to go to the doctor was difficult. To do anything was so difficult to eat. When you're in so much pain, you're not hungry. And so to get me to eat and to try to keep something down was nearly impossible. So I did become malnourished because I wasn't getting what I needed nutritionally. You know, um, those of you who are hearing this story, maybe for the first time, I want to tell you that sometimes you have to get a picture of the darkness to understand the light that. Those who know Jesus experience in the darkness. And so hold on, because this is not the end of the story. And uh, Mark, I want to ask you, how did Darcy's diagnosis, her illness, affect your life? Because you're such an important part of this story. It really changed everything. Going from working full time and uh, just all the normal activities of being an employee and a husband and a dad. And then, you know, Darcy did so much in our family. I mean, so involved with the kids and uh, the home and me and our church and so many things. And and she was unable to do those things. There was a, there was a big hole in, in our time and in our lives. So 
it really called me to take on a lot more than I had ever taken on. You know, it's so difficult to play all, I mean, to play both roles, to, to try to play the role of a father and a husband, play the role of a mother as much as I can, you know, and, and try to fill her shoes, which is possible. You know, it was, it was, it was a strain. And for a long time, I think kind of on my own strength, I rose to that occasion. But as days, weeks, months go by, it, it just became really overwhelming for me. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just a, a burden that I didn't have the, the strength really to, to bear on my own. I think that caregiving, I mean, it is a hidden ministry. It is a hidden service where uh, right in this very moment, there are so many people who are are doing the hardest things for the people that they love, the people that they love who can't do one thing for themselves, and they're being loved and cared for. But as you said, Mark, it's challenging, and it's stretching, and it's hard. And how how does caregiving reveal things in your own heart that maybe you never even knew were there? And then yeah. how did you deal with that? How did you process those things? Well, that's that's absolutely what I experienced, starting just with observing somebody in just such excruciating pain that you love so much and you're not wanting to fix it. And and you know, I think as a as a husband you want to fix problems and make them go away. And nothing I was doing was doing that. I mean, I was helpful, but not, wasn't finding answers physically or emotionally or spiritually it was kind of in a, um, in a dark place with that. I, what, but to your question, what began to happen is I began to really understand what it means to love someone more. Um, because yeah, I remember a marriage retreat we went to years and years ago where they talked about each of you have to make deposits and withdrawals and uh, it, it all evens out. But as Darcy had to really devote her, her strength to just surviving, as gracious as she has always been to me and uh, patient, and it, you know, there were a lot of ways she couldn't really give like she used to and like she wanted to. And... It, it forced me to really begin to ask, you know, is that is that why I love her? So I can get something back. And I had to grow away from that that way of seeing things. Is um, no, I, I need to love regardless of that. And, and you know, then I went through a phase. Well, at least she could be super grateful for how wonderful I am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not that I was wonderful all the time by any stretch, but I kind of had to let go of that. You know, it's, I can't expect that. It's, I need to let go of that too. And just moving forward in, in a way of understanding how Christ loves us, you know, not because we're so deserving, not because we give so much back, not because we're so grateful, just because who he is. He's just loving and uh, has so much to give and gives so much with no strings attached. And, and so that's the path I think God and was trying to get me on is to understand how to love someone really is like he does means just giving, just serving, just bearing the burden and, and forgiving myself for the ways I failed at that because it was, 
really a lot of up and down. There are times where I, I wasn't doing any of that. I was really, in, in my case, the way it, the form it would take would be just kind of to go numb and disconnect and kind of go through the motions, but not let myself feel, feel anything and just sort of, yeah, just disconnect, I think. But, you know, there was, there was an up and down, there's kind of a rhythm to it, I've discovered. Is there, you know, there's days where I'd, you know, I'd fulfill that responsibility and that mission, maybe, from God in a good way. And other days, I really just blew it and stumbled. And so I had to learn to just pick myself up, let the Lord pick me up. And, um, okay, I made a mistake. I can do better now. And then uh, days where I feel like, wow, I'm, I'm really wonderful, compassionate person. And then the next day, stumbling, just kind of accept that's what it's like. That's that's the journey. That's the mission that I'm on. And that's really transparent and vulnerable. And um, I bet every caregiver is resonating with what you're saying, especially those who love the Lord and they want to reflect Him. But we're so flawed and we're so self-centered and all those things. And it seems like you talk about the gift of suffering, the gifts of suffering. As I'm listening to you, Mark, I'm thinking, I think that's one of the gifts that you're becoming more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible picture to see because all of us can resonate with what you're saying, I, I, I believe. And Darcy, I, I'm thinking of myself. I'm very, I, I, I would rather do than have somebody do for me. And I don't want to be a burden on anybody. And, you know, I'm not trying to make myself sound spiritual because I can, I think that's sinful too. But I get the picture that that's the kind of person you are very independent. How were you able to receive the gifts of service and love from Mark? And, and surely there were days where you knew that it was harder on him than other days. You know, what was going on in your own heart and spirit? And how can you communicate to that loving caregiver, you know, gratitude? Because even you're in terrible pain. I mean, so how can you even be thinking of what somebody else needs? What kind of struggles did you go through with this? You know, to reiterate what Mark said, it's just, it's been a journey, you know, of getting there because yes, I am very independent. and. You know, it's it's been a recent transformation, I would say, of being able to accept that better. And that is by understanding that we have learned something about the Trinity. I'll speak about the Trinity here, that, that God, God gives to the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Jesus gives to the Holy Spirit and God. It's this triangular relationship. And everybody's giving to one another. And they're accepting of gifts given to them from each other. So how could I say no if the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all accept love, loving service from one another? Then I need to be in a place where I can also accept love from human beings. So this has been recent in understanding, and I wrote about it in the book, actually, about receiving adoration from God, that this has been very difficult for me to understand, that God adores me. Hmm. He adores me. And to turn that away, to turn God's adoration of me away must hurt him. Because if my children did that to me, turned my love for them, away 
how hurtful that would be to me. So that's part A. Part B would be understanding that Mark only has so much in him to give because he's a human being. He is not the father. He is not the son. He is not the Holy Spirit. And he's a man. And so he cannot give the way that they do. So I can't expect that. And there's a quote, I don't know who it's from, and I wish that I did. If anybody knows who who quoted this, let me know. But it basically goes like this. It is a terrible thing to expect a man to be all that Christ is to be. And so I keep that in mind. And when Mark has reached his limit, I have the Father. And I can go to that place much easier now than I used to be able to go to. But I'm not abandoned. I'm not left alone. I'm not left uncared for. I have the Trinity with me when Mark isn't. And those are been those have been some of the most transformative times in my relationship with God is when I feel I need to let go of Mark so he can go heal, so he can go do whatever he needs to. And I have loved those times that I've had. I have some great stories about times that I've spent with God when Mark has had to go do his own thing. Those of you who are listening, I I want to remind you about the book, Beauty Beyond the Thorns. And we hope that this conversation is like salty peanuts that you want more because Darcy talks a lot about this journey in her book and these moments with the Lord. And don't don't leave yet. After you finish listening, go order the book. Make sure you get the book because it's I I could hardly put it down. It was it was just so touching to me and inspiring to me. Especially I, I'm going to be 75 years old, so my body is reminding me that I don't belong here. That I'm on my way home, and so the aches and pains that I've had uh, happened to be reading your book as I was going through one of those hard places, and I thought this is a piece of cake <laughs> compared uh-huh. to Darcy and Mark, but everybody has their <laughs> unique, their unique settings there. Darcy, you, you have such a strong faith and you talk about, you and Mark both are talking about really the transformation that has happened in your lives in this journey because of Christ in you. But Tell us about how you've come to this place, because you've also said it's been a journey. It's taken time. When you think about the life that you had, you're very active in your church, you know, leadership, very involved with other people. You all these doors of ministry closing to you because your ministry was in your home. Totally. How did you reconcile all that with your relationship to the Lord? You know, when I graduated from college. All I wanted to do was serve in ministry. And when I was hired by a church to serve as a teen leader and began a teen ministry, and that ministry was growing and thriving, and then suddenly it was taken from me. I felt like, wasn't I doing the right thing? You know, I felt like I was trying so hard to love and serve and give sacrificially but it doesn't work that way. It, it That's not how relationship with God works. It's not you do all these great things and then you're rewarded by him. That's not who he is. And who he is, how I've learned to grow with him through this. 
and it has been through suffering. I don't believe that I would have learned these things without the depth of suffering that I have been allowed to go through. He's allowed me to go through this so that I could be closer to him, not farther from him. And I have grown closer to him because I have discovered some gifts in suffering. Greatest gift of all in my suffering is the gift of knowing him in deeper ways. And how he has given these gifts is through the transformative carving, if you will. And the carving hurts, right? The the pain. It's pain that carves us to receive these gifts. And one of the gifts that I talk about is the gift of perseverance. So how do I learn to persevere? Well, when I reach the end of myself that day, and he wakes me the next day, he gives me perseverance. It doesn't come from anything that I do. You know, I don't drum up this energy, you know. He gives it to me to enable me to get through. It's looking for him in the darkness. It's He is there. He's not just in the light. God is in the dark. And we have to look for him there. And he has gifts, good things that he wants to give us during those dark times. So they're not a waste. Whatever you're going through, it's not a waste. You um, remind me of, in our own journey, Isaiah 45, verses 2 through 3, had become one of my life verses before the loss of our son, Mark. And it uh, just to summarize it, it's, I will give you treasures in the darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you will know I am the Lord your God, the one who calls you by name. And the first time that he really impressed this on me was right after I had had surgery for breast cancer. And I didn't know what my prognosis was. And I had four young children. And of course, I was frightened. And I knew that what he was saying to me, along with lamentations, uh, my mercies are new every morning look for them. I felt that he was telling me, I, you're not in this alone. And these treasures, I didn't feel like he was saying, you're going to be fine. You're going to get better. But he was saying, I'm going to send you things that nobody else would notice that you're going to know is from me to remind you, I'm sovereign. I'm the Lord, your God. And I call you by name. I know the hairs of your head. Of course, that was pretty important later when I had chemo and I lost all yeah. my hair. But, but that was a clarion call to me to look for the treasures. The, the pain was not going to change. The you know the the treatments and 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 then after we lost Mark, it was I've given you treasures in the past. You can trust me. I'm walking with you here. I I, I the presence uh, the greatest gift of my presence. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And. I know that there are people listening who are really broken and hurting, and you may feel just like Darcy described, I just don't want to live. I I don't want to live like this anymore. And it's in those really dark places, as you've heard Darcy and Mark talk about, where Jesus is there, he's there in the darkness. And if you know him, he promises, I'm never, I'm never going to leave you. I've got you. You know, you hear people saying all the time, I gotcha, I gotcha. He has us in his grip. And um, the treasures are there in the darkness. And like you, I don't believe we would experience them in the light. I think they really are hidden in secret places where those moments is just you and him together where he reveals things to us. So 
Mark, as you took on all these extra responsibilities, how did you handle the exhaustion? How did you take care of yourself? What what kind of practical ways would you say to a, a caregiver, you really need to make sure of this, 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 and this? I, there were moments where I, I kind of lost it. You know, there was one night where both kids were sick and uh, they were waking each other up and waking up Darcy and all of them just miserable. And it just went on and on through the night. And I just uh, I remember just throwing pillows and just completely coming out. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a lot of strain. Things that, that helped me, I, I, I talked to my doctor about what was going on and his number one recommendation was exercise. Mm. So, um, you know, I began walking and setting aside time when I could uh, walk or run. And, and that, you know, that was a great blessing just on a purely physical or physical standpoint. And, you know, spiritually, I, I became open to going to a counselor and to, for the first time, really seeking help from a Christian counselor who was recommended by our pastor. And that was huge because I'd done my best to figure it all out. You know, I I really dug into the into the Bible and prayed and and felt like I, I got some really good direction directly from from God, but I really needed a mentor. I needed somebody who had been farther down this road than me and found a fantastic one who has suffered himself and you know could could engage with someone who's really distraught and uh, afraid and struggling to believe. And through that, just found someone who could really uh, help me navigate, you know, see this narrow road I was on and, and, you know, stay on it, get back on it and pick myself up or let other people pick me up and help me keep going. You know, the spiritual side of it was by far the most important because it's, it is beyond human strength. And I know there are caregivers who don't even believe in God, who, who do amazing things. I don't want to in any way disparage that. But I, for me, it was beyond my strength to, to handle it. So, you know, those learning new forms of prayer uh, to really connect with God in, in an interactive way or even just in a very meditative and quiet way. I was thinking this morning, uh, just routines, good, you know, good routines are helpful that, uh, you know, you regularly set aside time to do certain things. Yeah. And they get disrupted, but if they don't, you, you get more done and I just simplify life as much as I can. You know, I make pretty much the same food every week <laughs> and, uh, that way I save time and mental energy, you know, mm -hmm. just having to think of new things. And that's one of the ways Darcy's very gracious to me is uh it's just pretty pretty routine but yeah those are things that come to mind physical spiritual emotional relational things i think i love that you're you're saying that you kind of simplify things and i think even saying that i can't do this by myself i ha i have to admit that i'm not superman and that there are practical things that I must do. And, you know, that age old story of if you're on a plane and it's going to, you know, the oxygen masks drop that you should put it on your face first before you try to put it on somebody else's face, even if it's a child. And so, in other words, take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And I, I know that probably every caregiver would say, yes, that's true, but they all 
say, and I need to be reminded because you can get down into that pit, like, like the night of throwing pillows and <laughs> wanting to run out the door, let them throw up, whatever it is, <laughs> clean it up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that, that really captures it. Totally captures it. Well, so at, at first it seems like there's no way out. This is going to be your life, but then you got better. Tell us a little bit about how that happened. You know, what, what do you think were the key pieces of you getting better? Yeah, what a story that is and, and a long story at that. So I'll, I'll do my best to simplify. You know, I had been to so many doctors, dozens who didn't know how to help me. And there was at one point my counselor, because I, I've been with the same counselor for 23 years. So she came by my bedside and was with me uh, weekly. And she said, why do you keep going back? Which was an interesting question. And I said, because I'm desperate. And she said, well, we need to figure out how you can take responsibility for yourself and figure this out. So she asked me, what do you know you should be doing that you are not doing? Great question, isn't it? Yes. Wonderful question. Because we all have things that we know we should be doing that we're not doing. And one of them was, well, I'm not really eating, you know, and Mm -hmm. so I need to figure out how to eat, (laughs) not just eat better, but I need to figure out how to eat. And so I had ordered some books. I was going to start a master's program in nutrition before my fall. And I had received my first set of books. So I was looking through a book and I saw this protein shake that looked pretty good. So Mark began making that for me and I was able to keep it down and I really enjoyed it. And it was filled with protein. And so I fell in love with protein. Um, I kind of geek out about protein, but I began studying nutrition the more and more that I could sit up. So I was drinking this, I could sit up for longer. So I studied and then I could sit up longer and so then I could eat something else different. I was my case study to getting my master's degree in holistic nutrition. Amazing. I practiced nutrition on myself Mm. and I was able to get up and, you know, getting into the car, how difficult that was. Well, we got a stair glide. And so that was helpful um, to get a stair glide and using these things that are available to us, canes, Mm -hmm. assistive devices to use them and not be ashamed Mm -hmm. of using them. And I was able to walk in the water. I went to a therapy pool, which is where I began to learn to walk again, which Mm -hmm. was amazing. So I was only able to walk in the water for about a year. And then I was able to walk on land and then more land as time went on. So nutrition was very important um, for (laughs) you. Yeah. So it's kind of like a physician heal thyself kind of thing where where you use that question. What do you need to do that you're not doing? And that was that was part a major part of your healing. In your book, you talk about that. I mean, it just opened up a whole new world for you. So you were doing so well. And now your daughter is getting married and you have a beautiful wedding with your daughter. And then what happened? You yeah. had a couple of years of, of doing well, right? There was a couple of years. Nine yeah. years. I was hiking mm. again, uh. doing stuff with my family. I was running mm. places. I was walking for 45 minutes almost daily. Mm. 
And so normal. Yeah, no pain. Yeah. I had I had no pain and I would I'm mm. practicing nutrition. So I'm seeing nutrition clients in this office that we're sitting mm. in, right? And so I'm teaching other people to do what I wish that I had done mm. better myself. And then yes, my oldest daughter mm. gets married and we see them off, which is great. And then I injured my foot with a chair falling on it. And um it reinitiated the complex regional pain syndrome. It hit a nerve, which reignited this whole syndrome within my body. And I just sat down and lamented and cried like a baby all the way home. You knew, you knew that something terrible had happened in your body. I knew right away. How long ago did that happen? It's been over four years. Okay. And so I am, I have been going through this again, in some ways worse, in some ways better. We don't have little girls this time, Mm. which makes it better. In some ways worse because my hands have been affected on and off and my sides, just different parts of my body. And so I am crawling out of disability a second time. Mark, when this happened, did you lose hope? I mean, I could imagine it would feel like you've gotten out of jail, out of prison, you've experienced this incredible freedom, and you haven't done anything wrong, and they're dragging you back into prison, and you can't get out. What, I mean, what was your initial reaction with the Lord? You know, and to answer that, I want to kind of back up a little bit. Uh, I think I think the only time I, I really had lost hope was in the first episode because there was a there was a moment where in my mind I sort of came up with my own diagnosis of what was going on you know her back was in such just terrible pain and she the doctor ordered a uh, x-ray of her spine and I guess I for whatever reason in my mind I just concluded oh great you know she has bone cancer in her spine Mm -hmm. which is a you know, one of the worst kinds. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it wasn't true, but it just, it clicked in my mind as if it was true. I remember one night after everyone went to bed, just walking outside, just into the darkness and just, you know, I just felt like this, this is it. This is where it's going. And the girls were, you know, three and five and it, you know, just this heartbreaking moment. But uh, God gave me a, a incredible grace at that moment because what I realized was if I w- I was willing and I was determined that if she did live that would be better <laughs> if she did live with this pain and in this suffering mm-hmm. for the rest of our lives I would rather accept that than losing her. What I what realized about that on a spiritual level is that. I was really seeing the call to lay down my life for her in imitation of the Lord who laid his life down for me mm. and basically made the same statement. You know, I, I, I want you to live. Um, I'll put up with anything, mm. <laughs> all your crazy weaknesses and failures, but it's worth it to me to die for you. I mean, all, all this sort of came together. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's getting through to me. My heart is 
my my tears, my eyes are misty. I'm getting it. It's a beautiful picture. Yeah, yeah. it's it's <clears throat> Ephesians five two or three. I think husbands laid on your lives for your mm. wives, and mm. and he was calling me really to do that in a way I never expected him to be mm. doing that. And so that it's funny because that that loss of hope was very quickly grew into a, a kind of a vision and a a sense of revelation about how much he had given for me and would empower me and enable me to, to give that mm. for her. Right. So I didn't answer your question. And I gave back to the question about the second time around. Um, I don't, I don't recall losing hope again. You know, I, I, I recall kind of deep beneath everything, just a sense that let go of the future. Mm-hmm. And let go of the past and just be in the moment. Living all the what ifs are so frightening that they they undermine you in the moment. They they sap your strength and your your ability to be there uh, from you know moment to moment when you're really as a caregiver needed to be there as much as you can. So I haven't really lost hope this time. And uh, maybe that first time was powerful enough to to last um, into the second episode. It reminds me of the, so many times, what does God tell us through his telling the Israelites, but remember, remember, you know, set up an altar here, have a memorial stone, remember, remember. And the the psalmist when he was lamenting, but I remember your faithfulness. I, I you were here for me before. You're going to be here for me again, and that's what I, I kind of that's a little piece of what you're saying. I think is that remembering God's faithfulness. It looks horrible, but he's he has never let me down, and and I know he's still here walking with us too. And I appreciate what you're saying about don't look to the future. You know, let letting go of the future. Mm-hmm. This is the day the Lord has made. Mm-hmm. I will rejoice and be glad in it in some way. So as you have walked this pathway, I'm just thinking about the caregivers who, like yourself, you you do the next thing. You know, in those days where you said, I just did it. I was numb, but I did it. You know, do the next thing, do the next thing. What are some of the ways that we could be helpful to caregivers? Because again, I feel like they're that 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 invisible force that is easily forgotten or ignored all the attention is on the patient so how yeah. about what what would be some practical ways that we could be helpful well i and that is my experience you know a lot of times and people's attention is drawn to the person who's suffering and a lot more than the the person who is with them in it most of the mm-hmm. time and I, you know what's helped me is for people to just ask me, you know, how are you doing? And what's this mm-hmm. like for you? And yeah. and then not to try to fix it mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, not not to not to in, with the best motives try to re- take it away, but really explore it with me, mm-hmm. and and to say, you know, those sorts of questions really bring out um, into the open a, a, a loneliness that's there as a caregiver because you're what's you're going through is very different you know than what your loved one is going through it's I mean, it's the same situation but it's a different 
a lot of different thoughts, feelings, fears maybe come. And to be able to share that with someone safely without them withdrawing or without them coming up with cliche answers, you know, is, is not really what you, you're looking for. You just want yeah. to share it and, and not be alone in it. Mm-hmm. And so even just, a, I remember one, one time a friend just called and left a message, voice message, just said, hey, I was just thinking of you. And I know mm-hmm. this is hard. And I uh, just wanted to let you know I was thinking and praying for you. And mm-hmm. uh, that meant the world. I, I didn't have time to return the call. Mm-hmm. And he was gracious enough not to be offended by that. Just friends who can walk with you in it. I think that's what you need. Just someone to to walk with you a little bit. Mm. And uh, you feel like you're in your own universe, mm-hmm. that nobody around you is in touch with. So you have a chance to just share that is a, is a great blessing. Mark, I am so thrilled that you were able to join us for this conversation because you have offered so much for the caregiver, but for those who love them. I mean, I'm just really so grateful for the wisdom that you have shared. And I, I just feel like even the way that you communicate, it's like, you're talking to that person, like whoever is listening right now could feel as though he's talking just to me right now. And I think that's a gift. And I, Mm -hmm. I hope that you have many opportunities to do this again, as we wrap up Darcy, first of all, there are a couple things. I feel as though, you know, the first, like the night that that accident happened where you knew I'm I'm being pulled back into that prison. Eventually something happened in your soul where you, at least you communicate this in your book that you knew that you were on another journey where there are going to be gifts that God was going to give to you. So if you could maybe just mention a couple of those, but then I would like for you to wrap up our time together to just speak to that person who, who is disabled, who who feels hopeless, who they really don't believe they're going to get better. They know they're never going to get better. And they have, they have felt the way you felt where this isn't worth it. I'm just done with this. And just what encouragement could you give them even just to get through this next day and have hope for tomorrow? Well, yeah. So something in me changed. My father had passed and at his memorial service, each of his kids spoke. And I watched my dad when he was in assisted living give. I saw him draw pictures for other people. He's in his 80s, mid 80s, and he became the welcoming committee, basically at the assisted living facility. And so I was able to watch him, which was a gift for me. Um, And so when he passed, I said, you know, I want to be like my dad. I want to find that gift that I can give to other people because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I could give. You know, I'm no longer in ministry. I I just, I felt like I wasn't, just wasn't out there, you know, wasn't giving. And I started blogging and I thought, well, I'll put my imperfect words out there. So I put my imperfect words out there in the form of a blog and they started taking form. I started seeing similarities and some of them actually became chapters in the book because I noticed gifts that God was giving me. And I talk about gratitude. So I'll name a few of the gifts. Um, 
the gift of gratitude. When you are in a place where you things have been taken away from you, you're, you can actually be more grateful mm-hmm. because the things that you do have, you realize what a gift it is. Like the gift that I could even smile because there was a point where I couldn't even smile because I had lost muscle mass in my cheeks. So I couldn't even smile. So even something as simple as smiling is a gift. The gift of perseverance I already talked about, the gift of a shepherd, the gift of love, you know, my husband, people around us, um, my sister. So there are, are many gifts that I began discovering. And so writing became such a healer for me. It was a gift within itself, was writing. Because I could escape into that and forget about my pain for a while. And I still do this. This is my main form of escaping my pain is writing. And I wanted to turn this selfishness that pain turns us Mm -hmm. so inward to become, to turn that selfishness outward to give something to other people, which helps my pain and hopefully helps other people. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to write. I'm just going to write and put my imperfect words out there. And hopefully people will relate to them. And so a book and a study guide came into being so that people could personalize this book for themselves in whatever situation that they are going through. Because I know I'm not the only one suffering. So yeah, pain makes us selfish. So if you are feeling hopeless, know that with God, you don't have to lose hope. There is always hope in our Savior. And I think about Friedrich Nietzsche, who wrote, he was a German philosopher. And when he was speaking or or writing about the concentration camps, his observation was, you know, if we have a why, I have a why. My why is God. My why is my family. But what is the exact quote? He who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. Mm -hmm. So my why is God. He's my number one. I'm here because of him. And his word is what fills me with joy. When When I open the Bible and I search for meaning in my life, I find relationship with him. He is my hope. It's relationship. It's not just having these verses. It's not just opening the Bible. It's not just saying prayer. It's relationship with God. So if you feel hopeless, go to God and face him and let him direct you. You don't have to know where this is going. He knows. He has a why for your life. So let him take you where he wants to take you and just relax a little bit and and let go into his arms and let him see for you. You can't see in this life where he's taking you. You have no idea. Let him turn the rudder. Let him control it. Let him be God and just Let him adore you in this and learn the gifts that he has for you and learn to just let him take you where he wants you to go. 
Darcy, thank you so much. And uh, Mark and Darcy Steiner, I'm so grateful that you have been our guest today on our Help and Hope podcast. I'm Sharon Betters, and what a privilege it is to share this time with Mark and Darcy. And I want to remind you about Darcy's book, Beauty Beyond the Thorns, Discovering Gifts in Suffering. You and, and there, as Darcy has mentioned, there's a study guide that you can use to personalize it. And Darcy, how can people reach you? What is your website? It's DarcyJSteiner.com. So it's spelled a little differently. Uh, it's D-A-R-C-I, middle initial J, Steiner, S-T-E-I-N-E-R.com. Okay. We're going to have all that information in the show notes, a link to the book, a link to the website. I just, again, uh, cannot express my appreciation enough to both of you for taking the time. As I said at the beginning, I know when you have a life where um, all your energy goes into healing and uh, getting through the day, what a gift it has been to have both of you for this conversation. Thank you so much. As I said, I'm Sharon Betters, and this is the Help and Hope podcast, and it is produced by Mark Inc. Ministries, and our vision at Mark Inc. is to offer help and hope, especially to hurting people. So you can go to markinc.org, that's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, where you're going to find lots of stories, redemption stories, like the one you just heard, many, many free resources that are designed to help turn your heart toward Jesus. So again, that's M-A-R-K inc.org. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, one more thing, if you don't know Jesus, if you're listening to uh, our conversation and thinking, I know about God, but I I really don't know Jesus, please get in touch with us at markinc.org, M-E-R-K-I-N-C.org. What a privilege it would be to help you know who Jesus is and for you to know him in the way that you've heard described today. So again, that's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to being with you again. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope biblical counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.